40, verses 1 to 5. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you plan for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. The word of the Lord. I always wanted to see what the righteous remnant would look like. Thank you for coming. Our series that we're going through now is based on the life of Joseph. And uh, today we're going to look at a message entitled, God's Darkroom Techniques. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And uh, thank you that your your word continues to show us the greatness of your glory and how you work in our lives, especially in difficult times, and that we can be tremendously encouraged by seeing how in, in the experience of others you are able to sustain them and that your grace is sufficient. And we experience that too as we trust you in the difficulties that we pass through. So we pray that you would just give us uh, eyes to see what you want to show us today, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The life of Joseph is a case study on the sovereignty of God. And it's a good illustration of Romans 8.28, where Paul says, For God works all things together for our good, for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And God's purposes don't just run downhill like water, seeking the path of least resistance. His purposes advance against irresistible forces and immovable obstacles. Of course, God prefers to work through righteousness, but he can also conduct his business in the midst of resistance and even rebellion. For example, the divine purpose for Joseph's life kept getting interrupted by a series of unfortunate events. And however, as the world turned, each setback seemed to move Joseph in the right direction, closer and closer to the throne room of Egypt. Last time we saw how he overcame sexual temptation by running away, and he was immediately rewarded for his victory by being sentenced to prison for a crime he didn't commit. It looked like another major setback. And if we see that, things like that, we say, well, that's just not fair. I mean, that's not right. Why do bad things like that happen to such good people? Well, maybe it's because God has never gone digital. He still uses those classic darkroom techniques. 
You see, a generation ago, any serious photographer had a dark room in their basement. And there they would develop their pictures themselves. It was an interesting process. They would bring their undeveloped film into that room. They would turn on a little 10-watt light bulb that was usually painted red. And then they would take their film and submerge it in put it in an enlarger and then submerge that into various chemical mixtures. I don't know what chemicals they use, maybe frankincense, myrrh, rosemary, and thyme. And then they would carefully watch as their image appeared through those chemicals. And timing was everything, because if they removed their picture too soon, it would be overexposed and too light. Or if they left it in too long, it would be underexposed and too dark. So it was very, very important that this process be done correctly. They couldn't hurry it up. There were no shortcuts. Well, that's an example of how God works. And that's why Joseph was in a dungeon right now. It was a vital part of the process. Chapter 39, verse 20 says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. So the master photographer was in the darkroom, carefully developing the image that he had in mind. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Those are the kind of employees every boss would love to have. And any boss Joseph had just was amazed at how he could just trust him with everything. Whenever we face what looks like a major setback, we'll be tempted to get discouraged, we'll feel sorry for ourselves, but there is a better way. We can continue to trust God and allow him to show us that in every crisis there is an opportunity. And Joseph had one here, and he made the most of it. Because, God tr- because Joseph trusted God, the warden could trust him. Chapter 40 says, Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined, The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. They say that uh, to advance in any career, you need to make the right connections. Well, in this prison, Joseph had the opportunity to meet some of the key officials in the Egyptian empire, because the royal palace was just like the White House. Staff members were getting fired all the time. There were all kinds of conspiracies and rumors of conspiracies. It was kind of like Survivor, and these were the latest contestants voted off the island. The cupbearer and the baker. I get it. The pharaoh suspected someone was going to poison him, and these were the usual suspects. It says after they had been in custody for some time, each of these two men had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked the Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? 
We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. When you're in a difficult situation, you often tend to become self-focused. You're not really aware of the problems that others are having because you have enough problems of your own. But here Joseph was genuinely concerned about those who were um, the prisoners that were under his care. These two new inmates were sad because of the dreams they had. Dreams? You had dreams? Well, forget about it. Dreams get you into nothing but trouble. If there's one thing I've learned in this kind of a world, dreams do not come true, not for people like us. Because of his disappointments, Joseph could have gotten cynical, but he wasn't. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. The Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into the Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. You see, because Joseph hadn't gotten, gotten angry with God, he was still in connection with him, and he'd not lost the capacity to interpret dreams. And so it says in verse 12, this is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, the Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will, be, you will put the Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as he used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me, and show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. What an encouragement that was. The cupbearer's psychological temperature went from sub-zero to sizzling. That's amazing. You're going to be released in three days. And then you can, you can talk to Pharaoh, and you can get me a royal pardon. This is great. Now I can see what God is up to. Just three more days. Well, the baker also had a dream, but it didn't have a happy ending. In three days, he would be executed. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. In life, there's good news and bad news. But it was probably his own fault. He was possibly serving the Pharaoh gluten-free bread and pastries. And that can be a capital offense in some places. But the cupbearer would be restored, restored to his position in the palace. Oh, it's great to have friends in high places. Just three more days. Verse 20. Now the third day was the Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. What? Can you believe that? How could he be so ungrateful? Well, because that's human nature. We'll agree to anything in a crisis. We'll make any promise, but when it's over, we often issue a stop payment order. 
I still remember the final scene in that Burt Reynolds movie called The End, where he's a psychiatric patient who decides to commit suicide, so he goes down to the beach and swims into the ocean as far as he can. And finally, his energy is exhausted and he starts to sink. But that's when he realizes he's made a dreadful mistake, so he calls out to God, Lord, help me, I don't want to die, I want to live, I want to live. If you save me, I'll give you 50%, Lord. Nobody gives 50%. And he just struggles to stay afloat and starts swimming back to shore. Lord, make me a better swimmer. But it's so far away. Lord, help me, help me. Finally, he washes up on the beach, picks himself up, takes a deep breath, and as he walks away, he says, Don't forget, Lord, we had a deal. It was 10%. Another contract rendered null and void. In a crisis, we'll promise anything, but afterwards, it's often NSF. How often do we forget? Maybe that's why God allows us to be on the receiving end of ingratitude once in a while, because we often don't understand how much we have hurt God until somebody hurts us. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now we know that Joseph has faced some very difficult trials before, but this might be the hardest of them all. Joseph had successfully navigated through all the detours, but now he's at a dead end. He might never have an opportunity like this again. How much longer do I have to wait? It's probably one of the greatest challenges we face in the Christian life. Proverbs 13.12 says, Hope delayed makes the heart sick. And that's true. Our hearts become ill from delays and from waiting. And some of you are dealing with that right now. You feel like you've been put on hold. How long has it been? How many weeks? How many months? How many years? Has someone forgotten all about you? Are you still waiting for that prayer to be answered? Hope delayed makes the heart sick. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So for Joseph, the dark room just became a lot darker. The cupbearer forgot. But God had not forgotten. So it really was just a matter of time. But those three days turned into three weeks, and then three months, and then two years. Two years of disappointment can change a lot of things. You can lose up to 95% of your faith. That's enough time for bitterness to poison your soul. But in two years, you also have enough time to create a masterpiece. God was definitely up to something here. And Joseph continued to trust God. And in that darkness, he gave God the time required to develop a masterpiece, the image of Jesus Christ. You see, in photography, if the dark room gets too much light, the image is ruined. It's a photographer's worst nightmare. That's why they have a lock on the door. That's why they put tape around the edges of the door to prevent any light leakage. 
You don't want anyone coming in and turning the light on. I mean, that would ruin everything. Even if the love of your life knocks on that door, sorry, honey, you can't come in now, my sugar plum. How how long is it going to take? Until it's finished. You have to wait. In that dark Egyptian dungeon, God was developing a masterpiece. He was developing the image of Jesus Christ because there's no one else in the Old Testament who is more like Jesus than Joseph. And next week, we're going to visit the gallery and see the amazing results. A masterpiece takes time. Now, just think about it. If Joseph would have been released in three days, what would have happened? Well, he would have looked for a caravan heading back home. And that would have ruined everything. Timing was of the utmost importance. Chapter 41 says, When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He had a dream and realized that somebody was trying to get a message to him. But he didn't recognize the handwriting. In this dream, he was standing by the Nile When out of the river came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows, and then Pharaoh woke up. That's what happens when you eat a pizza with tomato sauce. You get these weird dreams. And then he had another dream, which was very similar. And verse 8 says, In the morning his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them that his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. The experts could not decipher these nocturnal hieroglyphics. Urban Lutzer says, For whatever reason, Pharaoh's men, to their everlasting credit, chose to admit their ignorance which is amazing because they could have made something up. Well, Pharaoh, those cows mean that you need to go on a seven-month vegetarian diet where you don't eat any beef, your royal highness. They could have made something up. But they admitted they didn't understand. So here you've got King Tut facing a quandary he cannot comprehend, and all the king's horses and all the king's men can't fit the pieces together again. And that's when it finally happened. The cupbearer's conscience began to stir. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. In a way, you can't blame him for wiping that shameful memory from his mind. But now it was time to pay off some old debts. There is someone in prison who can interpret dreams. Verse 13. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. So the Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he was shaved and changed his clothes, he came before the Pharaoh. You see, God's purposes often move very slowly. 
But he can also move very fast, in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye. Verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, but no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. You know, I look forward to a time when our governments will lose confidence in their talking head experts and their politically correct advisors and instead seek the counsel of those who understand the spiritual dimension of life. Oh God, may our rulers find themselves in dire straits facing problems only you can solve. Verse 16, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to the Pharaoh, but God will give the Pharaoh the answer he desires. So those years, two years in the dark room did not dissolve Joseph's dreams, the ones he had as a child when he saw that he had a, an important role to play in the world. Those two years in the dark room did not fade his faith in God. It was displayed in even higher resolution. Verse 17 says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile. And as the Pharaoh described his dreams, Joseph immediately recognized the cinematography. Ah, ah I know this, I know this. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be seven years of bumper crops in Egypt, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, followed by seven years of crop failure. So you need to prepare for the worst. Verse 33, Now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during each of the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that, they are coming, that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of the Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. Can you see the minister of agriculture shaking his head saying, that's ridiculous. Our crops are the result of the Nile overflowing its banks annually, which has happened without fail from dynasty to dynasty. We live around the world's greatest waterway, so we will never have a drought. I mean, Joseph had geography and meteorology and horticulture and history and political science against him. Who's going to believe this religious amateur? Verse 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? one in whom is the Spirit of God. Then the Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Now that's what you call a promotion. Earlier that morning, he was inmate number 978476. By noon, he's the number two man in all of the empire. And Joseph got to the top without scheming, without asserting himself, and without even defending himself. Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? I wonder if unbelievers can say that about us, that they can see the presence of God, 
the wisdom of God in our lives. That would be something to aspire to. All of his bosses, Potiphar, the prison warden, and now the pharaoh, all realized that Joseph was the only person in all of Egypt that they could trust with everything. And that's because Joseph totally trusted God. It's interesting that his own family didn't recognize God's anointing on Joseph. But these pagan idolaters detected a divine dimension in his life. Can we find anyone like this? In whom is the Spirit of God? Took a while, but when the time came, it happened so fast. Ron Hutchcraft has a little poem about this. He says, God's blessings resemble the inverted ketchup bottle. First nothing comes, and then a lottle. That's sometimes how it happens. Every attempt the enemy made to defeat Joseph, to discredit him, to discourage him, to delay him, had failed. And because God was with Joseph, it didn't matter who was against him. And that's why he went from the dark room to the throne room. And that's the same God who has a purpose for your life, preparing you for a significant role in thy kingdom come. That's why maybe right now you're on hold because the time is not right yet. Maybe that's why he's keeping you waiting. So if you've been on the receiving end of nothing for the last couple of years or even longer, stay tuned because you may get more than you can handle when God finally opens the floodgates. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your purposes may be delayed, but they cannot be destroyed. You will accomplish everything that you've decided to accomplish. And that's also true in our lives. Father, thank you that uh, that is a reality because you are a sovereign God. Great is your name. So great that even unbelievers will come to recognize that those who have the Spirit of God are the ones that they need to listen to and draw counsel from. Lord, may we even be people like Joseph who can show others the way that there will be unbelievers who will see that what we know, who we know, is what makes all the difference, and they will need it too. Lord, your name is great, and we recognize that, and we look forward to the time when all the world will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. We look forward to a time when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. But for now, Lord, as we wait, and even in times of darkness, we will not lose faith. We will not lose hope. We'll continue to trust you because you are up to something. You are creating the image of Christ even in our lives. So we thank you for that process. 
And we just want to wait in patience and not lose heart and not lose hope until your purpose will be revealed to your honor and glory. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.